0: Episode of Let's Talk Monsters. I'm Mike. I'm Allison. And today we're going to continue with our Halloween mini-sodes and also with our theme on the Roman Polanski apartment trilogy. Today I have my second question for Allison and it's on the 1968 film Rosemary's Baby. Considering yesterday's question on repulsion, how does Polanski convince the viewer that Mia Farrow's character, Rosemary, is not losing her mind despite what everyone around her is telling her?
1: Well, Okay. First of all, Rosemary, the character, I think a lot of people analyze her to be like so meek and passive and like not standing up for herself. But when you compare her with Carol, she actually talks a lot and she she does what Carol can't do which is like bring the audience in like communicate with the audience basically she has a lot of dialogue with the other characters and this is the thing like I can see why people say that Rosemary is meek and passive and all that stuff she is I guess but really she's trusting I think that's the main thing is because all these people are like surrounding her and she just constantly is like bumping up against like all the boundaries they're trying to set around her they're trying to set like this really small area around her basically where like everyone's kind of surrounding her on all sides. They say they're pampering her. You know, yeah, they kind of are, but it's very restrictive, you know what I mean? Anybody that wants to say, oh, this is like a symbol for traditional gender roles and all that, especially because she's kind of upper class, upper middle class and stuff. Even though it doesn't seem like it at first, it seems like her husband is struggling, but obviously they have some money because they get this really nice apartment. It's in this fancy place. And the thing that I think is ironic is like tying it back to yesterday's. Carol could actually benefit from this type of surrounding because she's a Afraid all the time. But Rosemary should be more afraid. Like, she's got these devil worshippers around her, but she doesn't realize it at first because she's trusting, she thinks everybody is nice and that they always mean the best, you know. But she, you can see something's wrong because she's constantly bumping up against everybody. She's like, oh no, I don't really feel like drinking this drink or wearing this pendant that smells weird or like I don't feel like going to this doctor. I want to go to my doctor. Everyone just keeps telling her like, no, no, no. They just keep trying to make her do stuff and they just spin it to where it's like, oh, I'm just being nice and stuff. But really, it's very controlling, you know? And of course, it's because they want to funnel her into doing exactly what they want, you know? Because the devil baby, it doesn't come easy. Like, uh, cooking a devil baby is like seems like it takes a lot of work and a lot of maintenance too. They have to set up this whole ceremony where she has to like eat this special like thing beforehand. She has to like drink a special drink and they have to have sex on this certain night. Everything has to just be like perfect. And then after she's pregnant, then it's not like, oh, okay, the baby's coming. Like they have to maintain. The neighbors, the devil worshipers, they keep bringing her drinks. They keep bringing her like herbs. They have this schedule, like this really tight schedule. And she's not even their daughter, you know, they're just like surrounding her, you know? Yeah. At first, she's cool with it because she's like, okay, whatever, everybody knows best, you know, but then when she starts to have problems, she wants to do things her own way. That's when she realizes that this comfort zone is actually keeping her in because she can't easily get out. Yeah, the biggest one is probably like, she wants to go to her own doctor, but of course, They don't want her to because they want her to go to the devil worshiper doctor that's going to do all the things to help rear up the little baby demon, you know? The one thing that she does do that she wants to do that they don't want her to do is before the Satan ritual, then she's supposed to eat the chocolate mousse, but she says she doesn't like it because it tastes weird. And then her husband is like, no, eat it, eat it. And he tries to guilt her into it. She's like, oh, I still don't want to eat it. So he's like, fine, whatever, don't eat it. Like he uses reverse psychology on her, like because he knows that she doesn't want to disappoint anybody. But then she throws it into this napkin. That's one of the first things she does behind their backs. Anyways, they go over the devil worshiper couple's house. They're giving out everybody like these cocktails and the guy, he says like, Oh, you can't even grab your own drink. He's like, no, 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 no. Sit down. I have to pass him out because he wants to give her a special one, you know, obviously. But then another thing that clues you in that gets you on Rosemary's side, aside from the fact that she's just so reasonable and everything and everybody else is acting shady and like avoiding her questions, and stuff like that, is that weird occurrences happen around like all these deaths. First of all, before they even move in the apartment, they're informed that the previous resident went to a coma and died. And then they see that she pushed like a wall wardrobe up against like this one closet because that's the closet that connects her to the devil worshippers apartment. Then there's a girl that is going to make friends with Rosemary. She's the one that was originally supposed to carry the demon baby but then she jumps out the window and dies and everybody sees it. It's not in Rosemary's mind or anybody's mind like it's Clear as day. And she jumped out the window and died. And then thirdly, their friend who gave her the book on like, beware the devil worshipers and all that. He also dies. So that's three strange deaths. And also another guy went blind, which resulted in her husband getting a promotion. So all these strange occurrences are going on, all this weird stuff, but then in the end, Rosemary kind of screws herself because she really is being gang-stalked, at least that's what you see in the movie. You see people like following her in the phone booth and stuff like that, but then she makes a mistake of going back to her doctor, the one she liked, and telling him that she's being gang-stalked and that there's a whole cult after her and blah blah blah. And of course, he thinks that shit is crazy, so... But yeah, this movie really gets you on her side. You know, it's very frustrating. And another funny thing is that even during like the Satan ceremony where he's supposed to impregnate her and all that, technically it's like the devil raped her, but they don't shoot it like a rape scene. Like she's being, even then she's being like so extra polite as like the devil is like on top of her. and She's just like, oh, sorry. Because I think the Pope appears or something and she talks to the Pope. She's like, sorry, I, I couldn't come see you. <laughs> like uh, And then they're like, oh, tie her legs to the bed. And she's like, oh, yes. Oh, yes. You know best. You you know, and all that. So yeah, in conclusion, you see things through Rosemary's eyes. You see how reasonable she is and how unreasonable everybody else is.
0: So we'll be back again tomorrow with our third and final question on the Roman Polanski apartment theme. Bye. If you like this podcast, please subscribe. Leave us five stars and a review. Thanks.